Please join me in a spirit of prayer. Gracious God, we turn our hearts to you with gratitude and praise and thanksgiving for all the good gifts of this life. Through your Holy Spirit, grant us ears to hear and eyes to see your creation praising you in the beauty and richness and abundance of the world around us. Give us hearts to respond to your gift. And may we know gratitude and love each day of our life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, good morning. So good to see everybody. Just running in from our tent worship. <clears throat> and as I said to them, I'll say to you, with this gospel from Matthew, what is a preacher to do? What is a preacher to do when Jesus interprets his own parable for you? Jesus has done all the work this morning. I've got nothing left to say. May the congregation say thanks be to God. No one dislikes a short sermon. Well, I'm going to be a little cheekier and keep going and have something to say about this gospel because I think there is something lost between the part that is a parable and the part that is the interpretation of the parable. I think there's something lost between the original parable and the allegory that is inserted at the end. Not only is something lost, <clears throat> there's a temptation added that we must beware of. There's a loss and a temptation between the first part and the second part. So I want us to see if we can dwell on the first part alone and hear the word speaking to us in that parable before we move on to the second part. And here's how I want to begin. I want to begin with birdseed. Birdseed. So I've been a priest long enough to have observed the transition from rice to bird seed at weddings. This custom of chucking things on the newlyweds as they exit the church. And whenever you're exiting the church with a couple, there is always some niece or nephew, some granddaughter or grandson or Uncle Bob who takes it upon themselves to heave great buckets of bird seed on the married couple and anyone nearby. Great showers and cascades and waterfalls of bird seed flinging through the air, getting on everyone nearby. And I have learned through the years of experiencing this cascade that when I get home and I take my car keys out of my pocket, they come with a fountain of birdseed. When I take off my black pastor's jacket to hang it in my closet, birdseed sheds out of the pockets and sleeves. I find birdseed in the hems of my trousers. My wife tells me to vacuum the bedroom when I come home from a wedding. 
and I will find birdseed in that suit every time I wear it for the next year. This is the image of the sower and the seed that I want you to take from the parable. Massive, overwhelming abundance. This is, to me, the point of the parable of what my friend calls the prodigal sower. The sower who is God is a prodigious sower of seed who throws it every which way where it should not go. As no farmer would, it's wasteful, it's prodigal, it's super abundant. He is throwing seeds in the weeds. He is throwing seeds on the hard path. He is throwing seeds in the rocky soil and the good soil. So we know that Jesus is not giving us tips on farming. This is a nonsensical image for a reason. It's meant to shock and offend God's word, the word of God's kingdom, that is God's life with us, is so plentiful, so abundant, that it will reach even the hardest, most challenged places in the world and in us, in communities we think are more challenged than we are, and in our most challenged places, the word will reach us with abundance. This is the good news I want us to sit with, just to receive the goodness and generosity of God who comes at us with such superabundance. We don't earn it. We don't prepare for it. We don't make ourselves worthy of it. It is showering on us whether we know it or not. The seed falls in us and on us in every way. If we're a thorny, prickly person, if our heart is hardened, if we are in a rocky place, the word showers on us, and with it, God's life is offered in God's wholeness every time. There is no partial gift of God. Whenever God gives the gift, God is fully and wholly present. God never extends a pinky. God extends God's whole self in God's passion to reach us. So the loss of the second part of the story is to rush too quickly past the gift and get into our sense of hyper-responsibility and guilt. What should I be doing? How should I be preparing myself? How do I make myself worthy to receive this word? If you are a hyper-responsible person who's used to responsibility at work and home day in and day out, you might rush past the gift and miss it and miss the good news that it is our part to receive, not to earn. Our part is to be open and inviting and not to achieve. This is such good news. We need to sit with it and realize that our only response is gratitude. Our only posture is gratefulness. 
that is all that happens when the gift comes first is our motive force, our response is gratitude. We're not begging for a scarce word of God. We're not desperate for scarce seed. We're not pleading and searching for something obscure and rare. We are bathed in God's love. And even though that can be overwhelming in its own way, our only spiritual work is to receive it. The temptation I mentioned earlier is to get caught up in that second half and think, well, I got to till my hard path. I got to remove the stones. I have to chop and weed the thorns. I have to be all pure land before God will pay attention to me. And this is a problem we all fight with because we all live with an image of ourselves before ourselves at all times. And this image of ourselves that we live with gets between us and God and becomes an obstacle between us and God, this image of ourselves. That image of ourselves can be a really overly positive image. That image of ourselves can be a pretty accurate image. That image of ourselves can be way too negative and self-hating. Whatever the case may be, this image becomes an obstacle. We pray and we think and we are self-conscious constantly about ourself and not on what God is doing and who God is for us. We catch ourselves meditating and praying and thinking about ourselves and not who God is and how God is reaching us. As a monk friend said to me many years ago, when I asked him for spiritual advice, he said, Jarrett, Get yourself out of the way. Get yourself out of the way. And that has given me 30 years of spiritual work and counting. We get ourselves out of the way so we are not the focus. What God has done and is doing in us and around us becomes our source and end. Now, if you excuse me for a second, I'm going to do something with a little chutzpah. I'm going to approach the second half of the passage and give my own interpretation of the interpretation. I feel a little freedom to do this because Scholars tell us that the second half of the passage is probably more Matthew, the author of Matthew, and less Jesus. So bear with me as I look at this second half of this gospel through the lens of grace, through the lens of abundance. So for example, the hard path, through the lens of responsibility, we think we need to tend that path and break up the dirt and make ourselves receptive to God. 
But through the lens of grace, we remind ourselves that we are not limited to this path. Another path has been given to us. Another way has been given to us, and that way is Jesus Christ himself. In Christ, there is no condemnation. For those in Christ, there is no condemnation. Let that good news from Romans sink in. We are on a new path already in Christ. The voice of the accuser is not the voice of Christ. The voice of grace and encouragement is the voice of Christ. He has given us a new path, not the conventional path, not the path that the crowd follows, but a fertile, life-giving, receptive path in him. Now let's turn to the rocky soil and remember that our God has rolled away the stone. Our God has rolled away the stone in the resurrection of Jesus Christ our way so that there is no stone that can be an obstacle between us and God. There are no obstacles between us and God that God has not already defeated. Hear and receive the gift of that good news and know that that stony ground is no obstacle to this seed so lavishly sown on it. Thanks be to God. Now those thorns, now, you and I, when we're honest, can admit that we can be pretty thorny people. We can be pretty prickly. We can draw blood. We can hold people at bay. But I want us to remember another parable, the parable of the wheat and the tares. Remember, Jesus says that the wheat and the weeds grow up together, and it's only God who sorts them out. It's only God on the last day who sorts out the good from the bad. The wheat from the tear, the wheat from the thorn. So can we live with that good news knowing that even in our prickly, thorny, disappointing souls, we are still fertile for God's wheat. And God's wheat is growing up alongside of it. Of course, through prayer and meditation and study, we can foster the wheat. But don't let the thorns be a cause of despair and become a primary focus. Look for the wheat. Look for the seed. And finally, I'm not forgetting that there's good seed in this story. Sorry, good soil in this story. But think this. So often, we think we have to be all good soil, all good soil, until God will pay attention to us, until God will bring God's fertile life to us. I have to clean my whole garden before God will approach me. But my friends, let's ask this question differently. How much good soil does God need to do God's work? How much good soil does God need to do God's work? Does God need a cornfield? Does God need an acre? 
Does God need a raised bed? Does God need a pot on your porch? Or does God need a square centimeter of good soil to come to life in you? Remember our God is scattering seed and will find through God's prodigious prodigal grace that square centimeter that's ready for life, that's ready to join God's life. This is our good news, my friends. We are caught up into the life of Christ, working through us, working in us, even when we're not ready, not prepared, not all the way there yet, working in us and bringing us to life in our deepest, deepest self, down there beyond where we even know ourselves yet, God is working and growing in us. May we receive this good news and grow with the growth that Christ brings in us so that we can move towards the light of life, the light of love, flowering and bearing fruit with eager joy. In Christ's name, amen.